Hi, this is Alex Hicken with the Very Hicken Bros podcast. We are recording episode five of season five. This is a pretty exciting episode because we are announcing our affiliation that we have with the No Name Nerd brand. Nick shared a new song, so that's going to be exciting to share with you guys. Nick and I kind of <laughs> caught up. How are you, Trevor? <laughs> yeah, I had a normal, ordinary week. Went to Chick-fil-A nice. six days. and That shouldn't that shouldn't be normal. Six days at the Chick-fil-A doesn't sound like it should be. <laughs> like, I suppose for you it's normal, but... <laughs> Twelve hours in one day. We should normalize like the four day work week. Uh yeah, so I got Taco Bell Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. <laughs> nice. It's exciting. Well, I, I just really like the new burrito, so <laughs> that's the only reason why. What's in it? What 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 makes it good? Uh it's like a double grilled cheese burrito. And the spicy one has jalapenos on top, so I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw <laughs> is that. It, so it's like you cheese in the that. burrito. What else is in it? Uh, well, I got I get the vegetarian one, so it has like black beans and stuff in it, so pretty good. Oh, b- points for black beans. <laughs> black. What? They're good. Fuck yeah, black beans. I don't eat chicken, so. Or no, what is this burrito called? It's called like the double grilled chicken or steak burrito if you get black beans black beans nice yeah and just giving that a shout out well it's just like the best thing i talk about now so i mean if if you ever want a good burrito (laughs) for under four dollars go go to taco bell i haven't been to taco bell in like super long time is the if you buy one burrito is that like a normal serving or do you really need like two to be full i usually get like because you know if you go I, to a ta- if you get a taqueria burrito those things are like yeah those thick. Are you can get full off of i one usually burrito. get like because they regularly like talk about burritos like this big uh like that and then i get like a compliment like i, I get like a dollar burrito with it to like fill me up so hmm that's interesting and then a bunch of diablo sauce of course well, uh, yeah, No Name Nerd is uh, giving out NFTs right now. They they have 10,000 copies of them, and on Twitter, if you do a few things, you get a free one. There's only, they're only giving out 500 of these for free. I got one of them, and it's my first unique, like, one-of-one NFT. I could share my screen and show you. It has to do with food, so <laughs> it kind of makes sense. I got two of these. I just barely got the second one. It's gone. And Alex died. Nice. We really love technology here. We're really good at using it. Hi, this is Alex Hicken. Today is my birthday, December 4th, on the year 2021. I would like to say that my laptop is 10 years old, and it cannot handle recording with Audacity, running a Zoom meeting, and screen sharing all at once. Thus, my computer crashed. I will use this opportunity to explain our affiliation with No Name Nerd. 
it is a nerdy community and it is very oriented and supportive of the career path of live streaming we kind of live stream they have given me an affiliate opportunity a free wordpress website and many non-fungible tokens they have a very accessible platform to receive merchandise for free why would it be important to have merchandise from no name nerd it is because no name nerd has opportunities to help you establish a brand as a content creator one opportunity that i need to look into is establishing a mini store I expect that I could choose from my favorite of their hundreds of products. A few of the products that I have are a no-name nerd hat. I'm a hat collector and they graciously gave me one for free. I just had to pay for shipping. Their NFT projects are fun. The mini meal NFT which you still might be able to participate in on Twitter and get one for free. For each order placed here, meaning the no name nerd store webpage before December 1st, which already passed, we will donate 10 meals to Feeding America. Order one mini meal and we'll donate 10 real meals. Two other NFT projects are also one of one projects. They have the digital denizens and the no name nerd community projects. Digital denizens are a role playing themed one of one project with 10,000 unique characters. The No name nerd community project is similar but it is not role playing themed but each participant will receive a version of their superhero mascot. The fun thing about these projects are that the NFTs will be revealed on a given date. The digital denizens will be revealed on New Year's Day and the no name nerd community project will be revealed on December 15th. I chose to participate in these products because they are non-fungible tokens and I don't have to pay shipping. I also minted two NFTs for myself through No Name Nerd with their $2 per NFT opportunity. You can see my very hickin bros thumbnails which i have drawn by hand on my open sea profile just look up the very hickin bros.nft domain it's a non-fungible token through unstoppable domains and you could see that the owner of the domain has minted them through no name nerd in the activities tab I'm a little slow exploring the no name nerd community and opportunities and there are many that I think that 
the community makes the career of content creation, especially through live streaming, a lot more accessible, giving people a path and opportunities for success. My no name nerd. Affiliate links are found at my follow my stream website. My yet emoji link redirects you to the website and you could type it into your browser at followmystream.com slash Alex and Hicken. I get affiliate sales commissions. There is a great stocking stuffer gift that I am planning to give to one of my coworkers. It is a fidget device to relieve stress and it is represented in a video game controller. The no-name nerd was giving them out for free at one time, but I'm unsure whether the opportunity is still live on Twitter. There's a lot of fun products on the no-name nerd store. Check out my, uh, follow my stream website and the no-name nerd community and enjoy the generosity of the no-name nerd. I'd like to conclude this segment by saying that I am preparing the first highlights episode of the Verhagen Bros podcast, and this one is for the month of November. This next topic is about Kuyong Bo Kim, also known as the Overwatch League esports athlete alarm, was recorded or shared on November 10th, 2021. Yeah, um, out of the blue early this week, uh, or last week, um, one of the esports players in the Overwatch League just pa- passed away at 20 years old. The cause of death has been not revealed because they um, want privacy for the family at the moment. Um but he was on the Philadelphia Fusion and he was confirmed to be on the team roster for 2022. But yeah, it's a very unfortunate and sad event. Uh, he was a, they call a flex player, which is they play more than one role. They could play like healer or tank. Um, yeah, so he was a beloved player amongst uh, people that knew him. One person, Elk, says, like, out of everyone I've met throughout my life, Alarm was one of the nicest and kindest people I've encountered. It's very rare you can know someone for years and only have positive memories and experiences with them. To be honest, I'm kind of lost for words. That's what he said. So, yeah, there's uh, a big hole lost in the community of the Watch League, so... It's generally a shock whenever anybody who's young dies because it's not that common mm-hmm. that people who are 20 die, you know, so that's um, there's sort of the, the esports angle of it's of people being upset or, you know, sad that somebody who played in Overwatch died, but it's also just the uh, the overall sadness mm-hmm. that somebody who anybody had to die at that age. It's disappointing for yeah. a lot of reasons, so it's too bad. I liked watching him. He was uh, entertaining and f- fairly nice when he was interviewed. So, be uh, missed for sure. Overwatch Two is being delayed again. 
why what's going on with that yeah so they had a what is it called a investors call is that what they call it probably an earnings call right that's usually what it is earnings call that's what the word is yeah and they um also project like their earnings for well isn't that what it is the earnings call is what they call for the next year well, yeah, usually they summarize their earnings from the last quarter and they talk about upcoming quarters, upcoming years. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't actually watch the whole thing. I read reporting about it. Did you watch any of it? I mean, I didn't feel like I needed to. I just... <laughs> I got everything I needed to from all the reactions. Watched uh, people rant about it on YouTube, so... <laughs> so, there's two, two games that were um, delayed uh, out further back from the initial delay um overwatch 2 and diablo 4 which is like the two big money makers coming out next year and uh, there's a lot of disappointment coming through the overwatch community yeah uh there's no like it's been sorry go on i was just gonna say there's no date saying it is perm- it's like for sure 2023 but just the way it was worded is like oh what <laughs> yeah so a lot of people were assuming that it was going to be a 2022 release they showed this game off in 2019 and the people thought okay if you're showing it off like this now okay 2020 is reasonable maybe 2020 comes and goes we get fucked by the pandemic and everything else okay let's we, we we're fine this is delayed 2021 comes around we're like okay where is this overwatch 2 news also not really happening now it's almost the, it's the end of 2021 and now everybody can they said that the overwatch league is gonna be playing a version of overwatch 2 in when that starts up and trevor when does that start like spring uh april april so uh, theoretically that the the overwatch league will be playing a version of a playable version of overwatch 2 and that still won't be available and now Every, everybody's reporting it basically like it's going to be 2023 which hey maybe that's true but i mean from what i heard they just what they said was their earnings are going to be lower for that for the 2022 period or whatever that they, than they could have been if they had like basically they're de- they're delaying some projects and that's going to cause a lower profit for them that could just i mean i want to be a little bit optimistic and say hey maybe that means it's still coming in like holiday season 2022 maybe what if it comes out like no what it comes out if it comes out in a year still really annoying but it's possible maybe Uh but pretty much all the youtube personalities are treating this as it being a 2023 release which is pretty sad because we've been waiting for this for many many years and uh trevor and i can attest to that <laughs> almost five years yeah yeah i know i mean <laughs> yeah this game came out in 2016 i started playing in 2016 or 17 like pretty early trevor played in 2017 we've been playing this game 2018 almost daily yeah. for five years or something so it's been four yeah and I, we still enjoy the game that's why we play it obviously it's like it's still fun to us but it's still a little bit like it's just sad watching this kind of crazy mismanagement i really want to see what happened i, I would love someday for somebody to to just let us know like hmm you know 2019 we had five percent of overwatch 2 done and then nobody worked on it for an entire year and a half and then we had to finish the development in all of 2022 and then release it in 2023 like just give me some context because if you don't give people context all the players are just gonna be like what is going on yeah what is going on with this game 
So, you know, kind of sad if you're like I one of my coworkers knows that I play Overwatch and he comes in and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm so sorry." And I'm like, "I'm this is totally out of context in the, in the beginning of the day." And I'm thinking like, has someone has someone died? Like what has happened? And I'm like, nobody I know has died. I don't think I'm, am I dead? Like, no, like I think everything is fine. And then he's like, yeah, Overwatch got delayed. And I was like, oh, fine. Yeah, I mean, like, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, dude. Everyone knows. Yeah, I know. Even, I mean, everyone knows. It's like, it's not a great situ- situation. But um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on it. It's like I, some people, like Trevor and I, will probably wait and end up playing it anyway. Probably. Even though even though that's true, I'm still a little bit like not not much they have shown us with Overwatch Two looks like that much of a departure from the first game. Yeah, for for the PvP like the the, the team based play, so it's like hmm, really it's taking four years or whatever this is to develop a game that looks pretty much like the first Overwatch. Mm-hmm. I, I love that game, but it's just it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's anything else to add, but. I just hope uh, maybe an update within the current Overwatch to keep us interested. Yeah, so. it'd be nice to put some new content in there because they've more than just skins. Just put skins. And <laughs> yeah, it, the the most fun we've, that I've had that with that game was the April Fools event where they put a bunch of crazy stuff into yeah. the experimental mode. That was that was super fun and all it was awesome. They they weren't ridiculous. They were workable changes to the characters, and I was like, well, this is great. Yeah, and they haven't done anything fun since the, <laughs> since then. So, um, I have a little item here. Is this this isn't really a camera show, but I'm a camera person, so I thought I'd talk about it um, just really briefly. Uh, for there's been a transition happening in the kind of in the camera world where people were using SLR designs, which are single lens reflex cameras, where you hold your camera and your view of the world is reflected up through a mirror into a prism and into your eye. And you press the button, the mirror flips up and takes the picture, and the mirror flips back down. That's how cameras have worked for most people for like 50 or 60 years. And then mirrorless cameras started coming out, like Sony and all these other people. And uh, there have been professional mirrorless cameras for many years. But the two kind of biggest names along with Sony are Canon and Nikon. And they're, they're finally releasing their big some of their big professional cameras. So it's kind of cool to see the Canon R3 and the Nikon Z7. Uh, it's the equivalent of, it's basically these $6,000-ish cameras, which are very high-end and expensive. These are not really consumer cameras, but it's uh, pretty cool to see that they're taking it seriously. You know, I, as, a, as a person who loves cameras and technology, I've kind of, I've thought that the future is mirrorless for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so now seeing that these big, co- obviously the big companies were going to move to the future eventually, but I think a lot of people were waiting to think, are Nikon and Canon going to be able to release their high-end models as these mirrorless cameras? And yes, they are. I mean, these, the R3 and the Z7 are as good or better than the highest-end cameras, they, the sports cameras they had before. So... Uh, I'm not going to buy one, not my thing. I don't need one of those models. I barely, you know, it's not, I already have an incredible camera system that does other things. But for the people who do that, like wildlife, wildlife photography, sports photography, action, um, extreme weather, like all these, where you need the, the indestructible camera body to take awesome photos of really fast moving things, these new cameras are going to be really cool. So I love it because I love mirrorless cameras. I After using a new modern camera, you, you look at an old camera with a mirror and you're like, what is this? <laughs> um, 
I, I and I don't hate old cameras. I love my film cameras. I love my film cameras that have mirrors. Like to me nowadays, I just associate having a mirror in your camera with yeah. I'm gonna shoot film and use my old camera. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you're shooting digital, just get just move to a mirrorless camera. It's it's better in almost every way. So, um, just a kind of a short thing saying that I'm glad to see that the R3 and the Z7 exist, and they're probably gonna be great cameras for people. And I've read a few um, early reviews, and they seem to be as good as people say they should be. So, good stuff. So they, is it like them playing catch up with Sony? <sighs> Sony fanboys will say that. <laughs> but you know yeah maybe maybe it is i don't know i don't i owned it i owned i spent a lot of money on a sony camera once and i didn't really get along with it that well and i sold Aww. it and it was fine the quality <laughs> the image quality was great i just didn't really like the feel of it and whatever Too small i wanted a medium format camera i needed a bigger sensor but uh, <laughs> uh yeah I th- in a lot of ways that they're catching up or or now they're like exceeding that like they they finally took it seriously and made they like decided they're gonna create cameras that are as good as sony cameras or better in a lot of ways this is this is nikon and canon taking it really seriously so in a way that's kind of nice because sony has been making awesome cameras but they haven't really had competition in that mirrorless high-end zone and now they do like now it's now's the time when canon and nikon are saying you know i think nikon's selling it for i think it's like fifty five hundred dollars which is a lot of money but for that camera that's those cameras have always cost six or seven thousand dollars in that in that lineup and so to it's not that much money really for what they're doing. And it's, it's like 45 megapixel, 20 or 30 frames per second with autofocus for 8k recording. It's, it's everything you need in a camera for a lot of people. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Catching up to Sony, but at the Better. end of the day, some people just want to keep shooting Nikon or Canon, you know, I'm somebody yeah. who I just, I love how Canon's feel in the hand. So I'll just, if I had the, if I needed to buy one of those, I would buy the Canon one more than the Sony. Cause I like how it feels. And that's, that's really what matters when you use a tool, right? Whether, regardless of what you're using, no matter what, no matter what your craft is, if you want it to, you want to enjoy using it too. You don't want it to fight with it. Like I just, I used some of the buttons on the Sony, and I was like, this doesn't feel as nice as my Canon. <laughs> and that was because, and honestly, the image quality was kind of similar. So I was like, if I'm gonna yeah. do this, I'm just gonna get a different camera. So I did, and I have my Fuji, which is beautiful and amazing. But um, yeah, they're, <laughs> to summarize, yes, they are playing catch up to Sony. I've been talking about this, and Trevor's like, oh, what's Alcala? What's Crowdfund? What are you talking about? Crowdloan? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been looking forward to this, and I've been telling Nick about this. He warned me, like, oh, be careful. Don't give people money if you don't get anything back and stuff. <laughs> but uh, Alcala is the new, it's going to be like a, a blockchain platform for the polka dot to allow people to um, make their DeFi or decentralized finance and apps to be more scalable and interoperable with other blockchains. And yeah, I actually started using an app more recently because they say they're going to work with Alcala. So what the crowdfund is for is the Polkadot. Polkadot has a hundred slots that blockchains like Ethereum or Bitcoin or Doge or something, they could uh, plug in to the 
Polkadot blockchain, and maybe uh, Solana could trade with Ethereum, or uh, you could put uh, Bitcoin on Solana or something like that. Does that make sense, Trevor? Uh, Salami? Solana is a <laughs> is a blockchain. Oh, okay. okay. They recently passed up. Uh, uh, Doge. No, it's a Cardano. As one of the most, the highest. Uh, the crowd loan started today, this morning, and I was able to put my contribute my dot into the crowd loan. It was cool because there's like four options. And the second option lets me like still have, you know how you could borrow against a loan, or like shorting a stock. No, oh. I, that is another analogy. <laughs> I have a four one k, have like a few thousand dollars, and the, the company says I could pull out half of that value, and pay them back. It's kind of the same way. There's a liquidity dot coin that I could use while the my dot is locked in the crowd loan I could still access some of the liquidity of the my coins while it is in locked in the crowd loan yeah so I chose that option this slot uh, or the the blockchain will go live like mid-December and that's when I'll get 20% of my award and I'll get the rest of it after the two-year lease of that slot. I'll also be getting an NFT so (laughs) that's what I'm looking forward to. Another thing that's cool is that uh, the Alcala platform is compatible with Ethereum so I'm kind of interested to see how that works <laughs> if i could use my eth wallet and transfer that way or did that make any sense to you <laughs> yeah that's good I mean, I mean basically you chose an option that allows you to not lose value while it's locked in place so you could still access it instead of like you know like if you have a retirement plan, right, you can't just like take out money because then they like find you a billion dollars because it's yeah. set apart for something. And that's basically what you did. Following up on my Nodal topic, I told about the two announcements that Nodal had. Nodal is a company that enables you to support the Internet of Things devices and get them connected to the internet via your bluetooth and nodal cash will um give you some of their tokens for supporting these internet of things devices i said that there's a 10 to 1 split in their token and one thing that was interesting is that um nodal did say the supply number in that email that I got it said it went from 2.1 billion tokens to 21 billion tokens so that told me that the token I before since there is no 
a value given to the token. I thought it may have been a, maybe a stable coin, but since it's limited to 21 billion, I realized it's intended to be increasing in value or maintain its value and not just be just given out, have an unlimited supply. They did announce their uh, pre-sale of the token. Well, I clicked on the link of that and I found out that that is not available for people in the United States. So, <laughs> hmm. But on Friday, yeah. I was saying, I wonder why, like, not available to the whole, like, world. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I've tried to buy the Polkadot token. And some apps that come directly from Polkadot say that you can't buy it from their app. But you could buy it on Coinbase for some reason. I tried to buy it on the Uphold app. And I I think I told you before that it wasn't really buying the token. It's just like a figurative, like, I don't know. It's just something that'll match the value, but you don't really own the token. Hmm. But yeah, I have a easy way to buy Polkadot now through Coinbase. But the exciting thing that I saw is that on Friday, last Friday, my I got another email, another announcement from Nodal, and it said that Alcala won the first uh, slot auction of uh, Polkadot. <laughs> Alcala. Wow. Alcala. I invested in Alcala project. And it's kind of interesting because they didn't have the most money given to them. They, the second place is called the the project is called Moonbeam, and they actually raised more money, but they lost because they weren't winning the majority of the time, and also they didn't win because they had less wallets contributing to the crowd loan hmm. so yeah I think Polkadot is, tries to be very fair they don't let like these big they call them whales they have a lot of crypto and they and they don't let them just contribute a bunch of money and just throw an auction it's interesting yeah they even end the auction randomly so it's not like oh we have two minutes left trying to get people to do it or something like that to eBay like every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That be at the they end it randomly on on the last day of the auction, so it's not like the last minute stuff could happen. And Nodal also announced that they're doing a crowd loan, so it's going to be official. It's official that uh, I suspected that they are preparing for a crowd loan, but they announced that they are now. I'm preparing for that crowd loan. Hopefully, they win, so they could finally, their token could finally be liquid and have some value to it. Hmm. Um, they haven't announced the date that they will begin the crowd loan, but I am ready for it. <laughs> All right, back into the mix is Google, and I'll get my phone right now. Oh yeah, see, Not this orange. is a Pixel. Pretty nice, slick. Slippery, fell into a couple of crevices the last couple of days. Hmm. It's dark. I'm 
I've never had a dark phone, you know, everything's like green or like some bright, bright, like teal color. That's nice. Um, yeah, it has Android 12 with the Material U design and has a really nice camera. I did a shoot with Alex. We went out and to a little night walk and we went towards this like apartment like sign and it was just like a lit up like tower and it had like uh, the apartment's name on it so I shot a couple of photos with both this phone and my old OnePlus 9 Pro and they're comparable some of them they look pretty close to each other um, a couple of them the OnePlus was just didn't pick up like like was unnaturally like background like the the sky was blue for some reason I was like that's odd I don't know why I would do that and well I don't I don't think they're comparable at all if you don't like that one picture that's like the only picture that's actually comparable like when you took a picture of like uh, the art gallery the colors are all weird and disgusting looking <laughs> and uh, uh that when you took a picture of that car all the angles were all messed up on the car oh yeah I, so the first photo i took was well, that can't be the photographer's fault it has to have been the camera's fault well i t- so yeah. th- the first photo was <laughs> of a motorcycle it's a bmw it was a pretty nice motorcycle yeah that's comparable the details went deep in the pixel where the one plus is pretty face you couldn't it was just grainy it's just like you couldn't see like any detail if you zoomed in um and then the next one was like the art gallery just better colors in general and the pixel again not as much detail um and then the pixel did have a weird blue tint in the window that oh from the light really match yeah yeah there's like some background lighting that they had in one of the windows when it was like a white color but it came out blue in the pixel I don't know what it, however you take it it's good or bad um, and then we went over to the, the, the tower yeah the last one was the truck they had two different white angles the one plus wi- white angle is just like distorted on the edges like it's like stretched it out made the truck look wider than it was like unrealistically where the, the pixel phone would look normal like realistic so i guess that's the difference um but aside from this camera i would say the phone functions if anything better than the pic uh, one plus nine pro like i played dual link so that was my like <laughs> way to like gauge it's like um power i guess because it was super smooth (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like wow this is like way very power consuming (laughs) app (laughs) you're going to all these animations power dually yeah power user (laughs) um yeah and then the only thing i missed from the oneplus 9 pro is just like the crazy like warp speed charging on it this one's like Hmm. slow charging takes a long time to charge it from whatever percentage up to 90 or 100 percent but everything else i'm pleased with um 
The design's nice. Do you find that your battery lasts most of the day? Or, yeah. Or by the end of the day, is your battery dying? Oh, it's good. Um, I, I only had to charge it when I got home because I wanted to have it. Like, if I needed it later, I could. It was at fifteen percent, and I, I mean, I used it. So I mean, obviously, the fast charging is nice, but it's not necessarily necessary. Yeah. I mean, if you charge your phone every night, then you're probably fine, right? Not always necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if. I do need it charged for some reason. Like if I'm like going to a coffee shop, I can just quick charge it. If I had a OnePlus 9, in 30 minutes, it'd be like 70, 80% already, which is nice. Not that I need it, but it's good to know like if I do have an emergency, my phone won't be dead. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of the most recent, um, I guess the Series 7 Apple Watch. They made like the fast charging was one of the new features. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I just charge it every night and it's it's always fine. Like, what's the, I, when's that going to help me? But there's always that one situation where you find yourself, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, with your device, you haven't charged it and you're going to leave in like 30 minutes and you need it charged. And in that in that case, it does, it does, it feels nice to be able to have something charged faster than just <laughs> super, super slow. Yeah, once in a blue moon. But I think most of us who use our phones yeah. and devices a lot. We probably charge them overnight. I mean, most people are used used to putting them on the charger, and that's just what you do because most devices don't really last two full days, maybe a day and a half. I, my old iPhone 11 too, Max or whatever, yeah. that could last maybe two days, but for the most part, people just charge overnight, don't they? Is, uh, is that, that's a normal thing, I think, right? I don't know. I do that. but I like to think most people probably just plug in, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't just do that while you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I think we... As a whole, it's become uh, like it's like it's like a nature nature for anyone. Just plug it in. Yeah, for real. Recharge while your phone's recharging, right? So, but like, I guess if you have one of those fast chargers, you don't need to do that. You could just wake up, plug plug it in, go about your routine, and then on the way out, you can take it off the charger and you're good to go. That's true. Some people wear their Apple Watches for sleep tracking, and then mm-hmm. when they get up in the morning, they go take a shower or something, and they charge it while they're showering, and it gives them most of a day's charge just by that. And I can understand the appeal of that. Personally, I just take evening showers and charge overnight. <laughs> but for the people who still want to do that, they can do that, which is good. So if, if you really need to, you can charge some phones or whatever. I guess the OnePlus, you could charge really quickly. Um, too bad that the Pixel doesn't do that, but it's probably still good enough, right? I mean, for the most part, if the battery does its job, at least you're not dying at the, at the, at the end of every day. It's fine, yeah. Yeah. I, I had music going on for like three, four, maybe five hours today, and perfect. And I didn't have to worry about the battery dying, so. Is there any... The battery life is comparable? Yeah, if anything, it might be better... So that's good. Better optimization in software, I would say. So how is the screen? Oh, yeah, screen refresh. Are you is the variable refresh good, and how's that going? Um, you can definitely notice um a refresh difference when you have the screen on. Just the you know when you have it popped up like uh you look at your screen it turns on like the always on display uh you can see it's like the refresh is slower so you know it's not consuming as much power when you don't really need it if it's just a black screen with some white text on it 
Uh, and then if you go into a video, like a game, it would bump up to 120 um, hertz refresh, which allows games to be able to actually show a difference between 1690 or 120. Because if you have a 120 refresh or like 120 rate, like frame rate in a game or with 60 and your phone doesn't show the difference, it's not going to be any difference to your eyes so it's good to have phones if you have gaming in mind to have yeah that's funny you know i i mean not not to totally be contrary here but i almost feel the opposite <laughs> like yeah some games generally look great <laughs> at 60 and they can look better at 90, 90 or 120 but where i see the biggest difference personally with re- refresh rate has always been with apps that are like text apps when you're reading online and when i'm in safari on my ipad or what my phone if I scroll, I, I notice the 120 hertz refresh rate a lot more because you can you can yeah. still read the text while it's scrolling because the refresh rate is so high. That to me the the biggest difference is in the UI animations and in text while you're scrolling. Like that everything about that looks a lot smoother to me. Whereas if I'm watching a video or if I'm playing a game, I notice it a little bit, but it's really not. For I guess for me personally, that's not really where the value is because a lot of things. A lot of games that can render it at 60 and still look really good but versus if you're running ui animation or text that's that's where i see a bigger difference so i think it's just funny the, the two a couple different impressions obviously um you might say that your games look better at 120 and i'm sure they do but <laughs> in my experience at least I've, I've noticed for me it's things like text or animations or really just more basic things that i think look even nicer when you have a higher refresh just higher refresh rate display <laughs> is uh you know keep that text crisp while you're scrolling it yeah i guess i haven't went about looking i haven't read while scrolling usually i scroll after i'm done and scroll to the next part but i could see how that would be nice to use um it definitely makes a difference depending on what kind of person you are i mean there's you know some people they scroll up and then they read and then they scroll up and then they read and other people I think, depending on, yeah, I think some people just kind of slowly scroll their feed or whatever they're reading, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or email or text, and they read while they're slowly scrolling up, and I think for those people, it makes a bigger difference, because then suddenly, as it scrolls, it looks a lot sharper. Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. some people are just used to, you scroll up a little bit, and then you stop, and you read what's on the screen. And in that case, you're not really noticing the benefit necessarily as much, because you know, it looks smooth while it's scrolled up and now it's static and you're just waiting to read it. So I think partly it depends on your own behavior. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in between. Sometimes I scroll up and I read and sometimes I scroll and I read at the same time. I mean, I'm not... 60 looks good to me. 120 looks nicer, but I'm not one of those people. I, I, I always prefer other things. Show me better HDR, show me better resolution. All to for me personally, there's a lot of other aspects of the display that I care about more than the refresh rate. But once you get used to a high one, and you go back to a non-high, re- high, non-high refresh rate display, it, goes, it just feels a little. Uh, it just feels old, yeah. right? You just go, hmm. It feels a little. Uh, <laughs> it's a little laggy. Yeah, that's what I know. It's like when I didn't have the high like. Uh, what is it called? I guess high performance mode, right? In like a a game, like where it uses the maximum like resolution, maximum like graphics, right? 
it just looks choppy to me like so when i enabled it and then i had on my pixel it just looks super smooth like buttery smooth and like wow how did i like mess out on this like it was just a, like a whole <laughs> new game to me so i thought it was cool so maybe if you go back to an old game and they have a setting you could see if there's any difference on a ipad or new iphones yeah i mean i i noticed that because now my phone and my ipad are both on that apple promotion 120 and like it's like one it's like 24 or 10 10 hertz all the way up to 120 refresh rate and then i go to my beautiful imac and it's stuck at 60 or whatever it is and it still looks nice like it's a beautiful screen but mm. i don't know i do notice it sometimes <laughs> mostly when things are flying around if I, I use uh spaces sometimes the virtual desktop thing to go between yeah. different desktops and it doesn't look bad, but you know, right now I'm going between them, and it looks a little. It could be smoother, let's say. So, right. um, all the, there's some rumors recently that Apple's next desktops, the the big iMacs, are going to get the 120 refresh. So, I think it's only a matter of time before most things get that. You know, you're always going to be able to buy like a, a four or five hundred dollar PC that has a really terrible spec, and it's not going to have it. But if you're going to spend probably a thousand dollars or more, eventually you're going to get you know high rate high refresh rate display and that's gonna be nice i don't know i think it's it's a nice to have thing for, i'm not like totally sold on it being the premier feature of something but if it's there it's nice yeah does the does a OnePlus 9 pro have the variable or just i'm pretty sure it does 120 it, it doesn't have i feel like uh didn't change dynamically as much as i noticed in the pixel but it did have an ltpo mm. t- green um like the iphone does and the pixel 6 pro uh so yeah it's just you know how they implement it right like how apps are the os is changing it on the fly so so how does the available refresh feel different you you feel much of a difference between them yeah well like uh, the example I gave was basically when you turn on the screen and you haven't like logged in, it shows you just a black screen with uh, maybe some notifications and the time. Uh, in that point, they don't have it on like super high 120 hertz refresh because there's no need to. So you can like see it just like really slowly refreshing it, meaning you're not losing a <laughs> battery. It's pretty well like optimized for that so hmm. yeah it just looks like it's not refreshing very fast so interesting to see that it's interesting to me that you can even see that because i know that my ipad and my phone they both have that 10 or 24 all the way to 120 refresh adaptive rate and i to be honest i don't really notice when it's less or more you know because hmm. it, should, it should be seamless right you shouldn't really be able to tell they should only go lower when you're not going to notice it like if you're reading a web page that's just static text maybe it can refresh at 10 frames per second because you're not moving at all but as soon as you touch it and you start moving it should it should jump all the way up oh, to yeah. 90 or 120 no that's but i mean like the screen itself it's not changing anything right but you can still see like on the screen it's not <laughs> it's not like i don't know yeah i can tell the difference between 10 and 60 I don't know if it can tell a difference sixteen one twenty, but that's interesting how you can notice that. 
I mean, I, I feel like if I'm reading, if, if the entire screen is not changing at all, I don't think you should be able to tell the difference between tr- 10 and 120 because nothing is changing. I think the only the only times you should see a difference is if anything is changing. If something is moving or if there's scrolling happening, yeah, sure you should be able to see a difference easily. But if it's just if it's just static, maybe it depends on the screen technology. But for the most part, the refresh rate shouldn't change too much as long as it's the same. Yeah, it just depends what you're showing. Yeah. If you're trying to show motion, you'll see the difference, definitely. Did you have uh, anything else, Alex or Nick, just about the difference, if I had any uh, impressions from it, I guess? It seems like uh, you nothing for you to complain about the fingerprint sense. Right? Uh, I, I've had like a couple of times where it's like, doesn't read it completely and says oh partial fingerprint like detected so like okay well i'll just replace it and then it opens it so it's not like a problem like everyone's complaining about i don't see like maybe it's a second to unlock it but it's not an issue like it's faster than having to finger it in for whatever your numbers are so (laughs) i don't know i wouldn't know i haven't had to finger anything in since i have my face id sensor but you know I'm spoiled, I guess. But it sounds like you're really into that phone, so that's cool. Yeah. But yeah. I think of you as a pixel person. Yeah. I I enjoy it so far. I haven't... Yeah, that's my summary for the first week with the Pixel 6 Pro. Um, I do believe we have a song coming from Nick. Uh, he's mostly completed. Yeah, I, I did share... Um, some music recently the last couple of week the last week or something i kind of worked on it and then on i guess on halloween last week i added a lot more and kind of i wouldn't say finished it but got a good skeleton going with some fun little sounds so it's been a while since i did something kind of orchestral like that i've been kind of in a pop mood for a while and now i've been listening to a whole lot of symphonic with them to pedal and i'm really in the symphonic mood so i've been using a lot of orchestra stuff so i sent alex my song and i i'm assuming maybe it'll play at the end of this podcast but i've been i don't know i've been feeling it so it's been fun to produce something you know anything really anything new because it's been kind of a while for me yeah it's fun that we have a podcast that you could uh, share your music on yeah you say that uh you say it's a pretty rough you say rough sketch but and you titled the song roses and uh, lead paint um how would you introduce that what what how'd you introduce the song yeah for uh because it's it's old i mean it's not all of it so like half of the song that i made um i came up with a week ago and then half of it part of the some of the stuff in that song i came up with <laughs> 10 years ago um it's like it's a combination of things i, I was playing around with i was in the mood of, i started playing i you know as i usually do i sit down on my keyboard and i play some stuff and i go what am i thinking about today and then i was playing this song that i'd wrote written i don't know six or eight or ten years ago a while ago and i just the beginning in that song the the, the pipe organ and the choir that little melody that's pretty old for me. And then I, from there I went on and I was like, okay, what can I add to this to make this into more of a song? So I, uh, Roses and Lead Paint, that's just that kind of, I guess it's the working title. Yeah. It's not really a title. It's just when I think about the song, I was thinking about roses in the garden and old paint and like an old house. They used to put lead in the paint and that's why it was toxic. 
And so I'm thinking about I'm thinking about ghosts. And I'm thinking about the old Victorian houses here around town. I'm thinking about, um, you know, just that aesthetic. I, I remember I was driving around, and you see these beautiful old houses that are huge, and they have two or three stories, and they're ornate and Victorian. And there's rose bushes outside, and they're co- painted these beautiful colors. And I, I just think to myself, what a beautiful place that would be for a ghost mm-hmm. story. <laughs> so that's so I just write music thinking about that you know the ghosts ghosts and if this was a movie what would be happening you know would you be meeting these ghosts would it be fun would it be horror would it be comedy would it be are they dancing with you like what's going on so uh, i don't know it's just kind of fun and to keep in mind with all these songs that i the orchestra the orchestral songs i do for the most part it's it's designed to leave some space for what would be a rock or metal band behind it so when it gets kind of quiet you'd expect their to be more guitar there or something. And it's hard for me to show that I have, I actually have a version where I have all these kind of digital guitars and drums that sound pretty good, but I don't share that Mm -hmm. because it doesn't sound great, but it gives me an idea of how I'd want it to sound. Basically I want it to sound hard rock with an orchestra, (laughs) but I don't, you know, what I share with you guys is the orchestra version because I think that sounds a little cleaner. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like, uh, comparing it, maybe a pirate ship you know it's like haunted and then like it's going through different areas it's mystical but it, i don't know it's just like it's what i thought of i like the bellowing like choir in the back that's pretty cool so i know i love i love choirs i love voices everything that's one of the reasons i like some of the music that i like the best use of choir really if you use a choir really well in a song i like it even more so i just have these digital choir samples that i use which are not great but they're they do the job but i uh, i like that you point that out because i love human voices and i love human voices singing together and i love them in rock music so if i ever have a say i'm always gonna add more choir when i listen to it it remind me of it might be a theme for final fantasy video game i think that it depicted like an adventure or maybe there's some corrupt like society or something that's what i kind of feel like <laughs> there's a balance there's you could feel like you're going through a noble town and then you switch and you have to remember there's still a corrupt society out there but uh did you have a world or anything in mind or kind of I guess kind of like I had, I had mentioned there for me it, it is still kind of ghostly for some reason because it's October I've been thinking about spooky things so for me it's more about it was a, a little bit more romantic like a like a ghost story in an old house and then you have these different parts of fear and then a little bit of comedy and then a little bit of just majestic like this is you experiencing something supernatural and for me, that comes out as something really huge and like lots of instruments, very grandiose. Um, for me, I, I, I for this song personally, I'm a little bit stuck in something a little supernatural, which is not necessarily what it sounds like. But I'm just saying that's what it, that's what it sounded like to me. But I definitely I appreciate hearing the adventure aspect or the the Final Fantasy aspect. Um, yeah, I listen to some of those Final Fantasy soundtracks or the music, and I, I like them too. A lot of people, a couple of people who I've shown my music to always say, oh, it reminds me of something that would be in a, a movie or a video game. 
because most of those people don't know that I listen to rock music that, have, that has an orchestra with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I take it as a compliment. I think it's I think it's fun. I think that a lot of uh, a lot of music tells stories, right? A lot, of, almost everything: poems, poetry, music, stories. All, all of it. It's telling you something, and whether it's something mm-hmm. very. Sometimes it's a really simple thing. You know, some things you just. You listen to a song and it's very straightforward, and you you hear it. Other times it's very complex. Other times, but it's, it's always telling you something, right? You go either musically or lyrically or both on some sort of journey that's telling you about. Um, it's telling you a story, and so I like to, I like to try to tell kind of a little bit of a story with what I do, whether it's a, a really hard part with a bunch of instruments and drums, or it's a quieter part with just um, some bells and chimes or whatever, but. Um, I don't know. That's that's how I do it. It's just you know, it's always for me. I feel I try to like I I am entertained by it, but I also realize it depends how you how you approach it. For the average person, they might think this sounds really wow. This is super advanced. This person knows how to write music for an orchestra, and then for me, I think to myself, if you show this to an actual person who knows how to write for an orchestra, I don't know what the hell I'm doing because I don't. You know, so it depends what perspective you come from. If you don't, if you're just, if you're just listening to it as a as a layperson, it sounds impressive. If you're listening to it technically as an orchestrator, it sounds ridiculous because it's probably not done technically proficiently at all. But at the end of the day, I enjoy doing it. So anyway, I'm, I I mean, honestly, thanks for listening to it because, uh, like I said, most of the time I make these songs, I just listen to them myself and I go, oh, that's kind of fun, and then I don't do anything with it. So. Just sharing with a couple people is just fun to know that somebody listened to it and likes likes to listen to it. So thanks. That's kind of fun. I guess. Uh, I guess so. Talk to you later. See ya. <laughs> yeah, talk to you later.